the show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week, we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking for healthcare innovators and digital teams. Here on the Healthcare Wrap, we believe that the healthcare experience has to change and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years or we can jump in right now. And I think you know how we roll. We're not going to coast in neutral. We're hitting the gas. Come be a part of it. Each week, we talk about the topics that you need to know about and act on to be part of the digital transformation movement. We share tips on shifting the way that healthcare is experienced digitally and the backstage strategies for marketing, operations, and digital teams to drop the silos and stay ahead of the curve. We recently passed 160 episodes and three years on the air. We're wrapping up season five, which has been our quest to answer whether it's even possible to provide the healthcare experience that consumers desire. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about inviting all the right players to the table. Hospitals and health systems own a smaller and smaller portion of a consumer's healthcare journey. So why haven't they been interested in establishing better consumer relationships? I'll talk about that. Then Carol Flagg from Healthcare Now Radio is in the house to share some provocative thinking about the state of the state in podcasting. This is the first of a two-part crossover episode with Carol and her podcast, What's My Tagline? In part one, we'll share 10 tips for starting a podcast. Part two covers 10 more tips for when you have a podcast and you want to make it better. This episode is jam-packed, and we have a lot to share along the way. It's time to dive right in. You ready? Let's go. Flavor of the Week. The conversation changes when we invite the right people to the table. We have a brand problem in healthcare, and it's driven by that crazy conundrum. You know, the conundrum of hospitals, health systems, and providers spending millions of dollars on marketing campaigns about how they know us and are here for us and put the patient first, only to be followed by an experience with that health system or provider that often says otherwise. Let's face it, hospitals and health systems own a smaller and smaller portion of a consumer's healthcare journey. They've gotten better at addressing certain parts of the journey, such as finding a doctor online. But traditionally, they haven't been interested in establishing consumer relationships that span in between office visits. I think part of the reason is that they truly haven't wanted to invest the time to figure out how to do it well. That is, at least until non-traditional competitors started entering the space and using their consumer relationships that are deeply personal and technologically advanced to chip away at their supposed market share. I'm talking about direct-to-consumer companies like Roe and Hims. I'm talking about retail health. I'm talking about digital health apps, functional medicine, preventive care, telehealth providers, and hospital at home. These are not the bad guys. They're the innovators. So I say, let's invite them to the table. Let's learn together. If we truly believe in being consumer first, let's better understand the choices that consumers are facing and learn why someone would rather pick one of them over a traditional provider. 
Spoiler alert, it's because these guys are better at establishing a real relationship. I'm not the first one to sound this alarm bell, and I won't be the last. Hospitals are in danger of their expert medical care being neglected, overshadowed, and eventually obsolete. And at some point, they have to stop blaming marketing. It's easy to complain about so-called competitors when they aren't sitting at the same table. I think that's been one consequence of not being able to get together in person and talk recently. In the midst of the consumer health wave cresting higher than ever before, I'm seeing the medical community double down and divide even further out of fear. So let's invite everyone to the table. Let's start talking more. Let's break bread. Are we serious about putting consumers first and helping them in their healthcare journey? Then take this seriously. These are your future partners. Your role in the consumer healthcare journey is changing. You need to understand that so you can stay relevant and give yourself the best chance to provide the experience that consumers actually want. This is what disruption looks like. This is the moment to act. And that's the flavor of the Week. Hey listeners, we got something extra special this week. We're going to try something we have never tried before. And who is better to try something new and exciting and innovative than Carol Flagg? Carol's in the house with me today. Carol's a managing partner and radio producer with Healthcare Now Radio. So many of you know them. So many of you listen to their programs. And she's also the host of What's My Tagline, a fabulous podcast that if you haven't checked out, go check it out, people. What's My Tagline? It's all about if your life could be condensed into a tagline, what would it be? And uh, she covers all sorts of fun from there. Carol, well, Welcome. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, Jared. Thanks so much for having me on. I've been looking forward to this. I, I was thinking last night, you know, those old TV shows where they used to have like crossover episodes. So we're going to have like a cross episode podcast, right? I'm going to be with you today. And then I think we're going to tease an episode with you on my show. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be like the ultimate cliffhanger. People are going to be listening. <laughs> like, gonna be like, yeah, what do we, where do we go next? Where, where's the next part? So we can, you know, spoiler alert right now. Yeah, we're going to do part two of this on what's my tagline. And uh, we'll send all the details. But, you know, the easiest way to do that right now is subscribe to what's my tagline if you're not already subscribed. <laughs> Hashtag crossover podcast. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's what's fun when you get other content creators, producers, podcasters together. It's just a different set of how we like to tell stories in the world. Like that's one thing I've learned is that other podcasters, other content producers, we are always looking for a lens into the world, a story to tell and a purpose to tell that story. And the story, Carol, that we're going to dive into on these two parts of this crossover podcast um, (laughs) is all about for other content producers, other content marketers, all of you who who want to uh, start a podcast or you've got one and you want to improve the one you've got. We're going to dive right in. We're going to kind of pool our collective experience here and just share a few things we've learned along the way. I was counting up Carol the other day and the number of podcast episodes that I've been fortunate to produce was once I added them up, it was kind of surprising. And so I'm going to lean on that a little bit here and and say between us, I think we have a good perspective of (laughs) all these questions. I mean, how often a week do you get a question about either how to start a podcast or improve the one somebody's got? Oh, yeah, probably three or four inquiries a week. And then, of course, at least that leads to one meeting or a Zoom call for sure. You know, I think that there's been so much attention on podcasting in general, and certainly the COVID pandemic sort of increased that level of interest as people were working more virtually or, or and had maybe perhaps 
time to listen podcasts a little bit more, more intently. So I think that there is interest. I podcasts are not going away. There's a annual report that comes out uh, from the Infinite Dial, which is produced by Edison Research, that says there's no let up in consumption about podcasts. And I think marketers in general across the board and, and certainly more and more in the healthcare space and the healthcare B2B space are looking at audio content and voice marketing, which a podcast falls under as a way to expand their thought leadership content and branding. Yeah, you're so right. And we may come back to that infinite dial research at a couple of different points here. Let me introduce it this way then, because I think this is the fun element of all of this. We're going to try something we haven't tried before, which is 10 different topics in one episode. So 10 tips for would-be podcasters today, and then we'll see what happens on What's My Tagline. How's that for a tease? Yes. Fast, fast, (laughs) fast. Zip, zip, zip. We got it. (laughs) Yeah. So rapid fire, kind of just blazing through these questions. I think we can do this. What what do you think, Carol? We can do it. I'm from New England. I'm a New Englander. I'm a fast talker, even though I, I live in the Valley of the Sun like you. That's right. That's right. Yeah, go Arizona. (laughs) Rally rally in the valley. Rally in the valley, all (laughs) righty. Okay, so, well then, uh, the clock has started, the timer's going, and uh, let's see. We're going to hit 10 tips as as soon as we can. We're just going to blaze right through these. Let's start with number one. Number one tip for would-be podcasters. In fact, I might even just label this like 10 different topics, like 10 different questions we usually get. The first one is usually a really simple one. Hey, if you build a podcast, will they come? And if so, how many? And that's the basic question of, is this worth it? You know, I hear all these podcasts out there. Is it worth it for me to do one? And Carol, my thought right off the bat is this is all about expectations. This is all about understanding what it even takes. The main thing, the thing I will always tell everybody is that the world doesn't need any more podcasts, but there are a lot of things that we want to be telling the world. There are a lot of things that are not well-known, that are not widespread there. The fact is, if you have a unique angle on anything, then there is reason to think about doing it in the form of a podcast. And yes, listenership has gone up. Even during COVID times, it's funny. I, I remember speaking with a couple of other podcasters last, probably middle of last year, Carol, and you know, in the middle of COVID everything, and they thought, well, I assume my listenership's going to go down because people aren't commuting anymore. And they found that was the case for like a month. And then they saw that actually listenership went like higher up than it's ever been before. And just even because people weren't commuting didn't mean they weren't listening to things. In fact, they were finding themselves more isolated than ever, needing some way to connect, some way to stay educated, some way to stay inspired. And so there you go. There were podcasts. People were finding them. So yes, a lot more were launched in 2020, but a lot more people are listening overall too. So there's an opportunity there. Uh, Carol, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. It's like anything. When you explore sort of a new content outlet, in my mind, frequency, 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 right? And understanding what to expect. You know, if you have this idea that you're going to launch a podcast and then you're going, you know, put the work and effort into do that, launch it, get it in Apple, and you're going to get thousands of plays, then you're going to set yourself up for some pretty big disappointment, right? So I think it's about setting the right expectations from the start, but understanding that it's it's not an endeavor that can happen in an ad hoc kind of process, meaning just because you have a, you know, a podcast should not be an ad hoc kind of endeavor, meaning you do a recording and release an episode when the opportunity arises. It really needs a hard hitting 
frequency planning and scheduling, just like it would be if you launched a a series of articles or blogs on your website. You wouldn't just produce or publish a blog once a month or once every few weeks or when you have the content available to do so. You've got to understand that there are release schedules, that when somebody begins to follow you, you know, their expectation is that you are going to come back with another episode in a fairly frequent environment, whether it's weekly or every other week, which are the sort of the, the two frequency schedules that we recommend. And that's what you're really going to need to do to put that effort in to create a beachhead, right? To start getting that awareness out and start getting, moving up the ranks and the algorithms in these podcast networks. Yeah. And I think it's very helpful and informative to take that as your initial context of answering the question, should I do one or not? Because the fact is there are a lot of them out there. And I think that's what scares away a lot of people. And there are stats out there that that you and I see all the time, Carol. There are ones that a couple I came across recently. One said that less than 20% of shows have produced a new episode in the last 60 days. That was according to data from a group called Podcast Index. There was another group that says only 25% of podcasts have more than 10 episodes at all. (laughs) You know, so it's almost like, hey, there's this gauntlet at the beginning of, hey, if you can create episodes more than once every 60 days and you get past episode number 10 that you're in uh, not quite elite company, but you're in, right. like you've beaten the majority of those who just didn't make it through that initial push to get it going. And so that kind of brings, that kind of leads me to our second topic here, which is the, the ingredients of a successful podcast. You know, how do we know that we're going to set it up for success at the beginning? Because Carol, that's what we said in this first topic of setting the right expectations, right? Yes. So, In my mind, there are three ingredients here, Carol. I'd love to hear what you think about this. I I do think, number one, there you've got to have, it's all about the host and topic. It's got to be unique enough that people would listen to you versus somebody else. So I know a lot of, of podcasters just want to get out there in the world, but it's worth spending the extra time truly understanding what's unique about your point of view and then really leaning into that. And I think we, if it's a marketer starting a podcast, we tend to think, hey, how big and wide can I make this? Like how generic can I make the content to appeal to a lot of people? And I found just the opposite with a podcast is that you go narrow. You really double down on how unique this is. And focusing on that is going to bring you a different level of success. Yeah, we're not all going to be Joe Rogan and, and rock stars, you know? And, and I think that's a big thing to remember that if you weren't a celebrity before you created a podcast, your podcast doesn't make you a celebrity. Right, right. So, so, so that first ingredient is the host and the topic. I do think the second one is being well-produced. We all hear a lot of different things. Everyone who listens to a podcast has a preferred format, whether it's guest interviews or whether it's just a, an expert, just sharing their thoughts, their experiences. Sometimes it's a case study format. Sometimes it's very educational. It's just tip one, tip two, tip three, you know, that, that kind of format. And some people really like the fact that when there are just certain parts about different formats. I have not found one format that wins everything. You know, it is very much a preference. And so... There are just some basic basics about production quality that kind of get you above the fr- you know, like help you stand out above the noise, if you would. So I think that second ingredient is being well produced. And the third ingredient that I don't hear that much being talked about, Carol, which is an audience that wants to hear it. Right. You, know, you, you can have the best well produced, uh, really unique perspective on things, but maybe there's not an audience for that topic. And that's a real piece of this puzzle here that's, if we're talking about these three legs of the stool, the the host and the topic being well-produced, and then make sure there's an audience for it. I think that's just an important part to remember. 
Yeah. yeah. You know, the hook, right? What's going to hook people on your podcast? It's, it is surprising. I do talk to companies who want to launch a podcast and, you know, I, I tend to ask a series of questions and to that first issue of that point of view. And it does surprise me when I say, well, you know, what other podcasts have you listened to that are similar to yours or like yours or in the same arena? And they say, well, we haven't really listen to any podcasts or we're, we haven't really looked at that. And I think, well, you know, if you were going to start a, a company or you were going to start a product, you have to do some due diligence, right? You got to go to Apple, go to Spotify, search, see what else is out there, see what their frequency schedule is, see if they've recently produced episodes of their podcast, right? And, you know, see what is out there perhaps as a starting point before you begin crafting what you're going to focus in on. There are lots of podcasts, for example, security is obviously a big topic and a lot of different verticals and healthcare is no no exception to that. But it was so, okay, there's lots of different podcasts about security, but what can I bring to the table? If I were going to have my own podcast show or a radio show or a TV show, or I were going to speak at a conference, what would be my unique point of view on that topic? Understanding, like you say, you're seeing that the audience does have an appetite for this particular topic on a large scale level. And then how do I sort of narrow down in there, like you say, double down on that unique PO? And then of course, you know, production, production quality helps if it's the audio is scratchy or the volume is bad, or it's not well produced in the sense of it doesn't have good music and good intros and voiceovers and call, call to actions. You know, you might a little tougher, tougher road to go down if you don't have a, a well-produced product out there. It is theater. It really is. Hey, perfect lead into point number three I know. here. Look at that. <laughs> so point number three, a podcast is entertainment and theater. The hosts and the guests all matter. This is a show you're putting on ultimately. And yes, we've already talked about there are different formats, there are different purposes to it. But at the end of the day, this is a show that somebody's choosing to listen to over something else. And so you always have to remember that. I've found way too many podcasts that are kind of sitting there along the side of the road, they're roadkill now, unfortunately, because they just didn't make it. And one reason is that they didn't think about it as a show, as entertainment, no matter what, again, no matter what the topic is, B2B, B2C, whatever it is, you are still, at the end of the day, consuming somebody's time. And the only reason they're going to do that over time and stay subscribed and keep coming back to your show is if there's a reason for that. One point that's really interesting about that is that there's a phenomenon, there's a psychology behind this, Carol. And you shared this with me a lot in terms of how it leads you to recommend a certain frequency and a certain production level and things. There's a psychology behind why people listen at all in the first place. And there was a phenomenon coined, I want to say it was back in the 50s or 60s, I'll have to remember now, but it was called parasocial relationships. And what was discovered was that This was when kind of the early onset of TV programs and people felt like they knew the characters in their favorite TV programs because they'd tune in every week and they'd, they'd watch them and they'd, you know, you'd follow the episode and you'd be like, Hey, I hope, you know, if it's a Western, Hey, I hope they get out of this jam or whatever. Like, (laughs) but people would connect with them in a way that you might not expect unless you were participating. So it was referred to as parasocial relationships. So if you were started to feel like they knew the people 
in the program. And so it's kind of the early onset of like when those actors would show up in public and people would, would go crazy for it. One reason is because they felt like they knew them. Like right. we know each other. Same thing very much with podcasts. When somebody listens to you and they hear your voice, you know, week over week, or like, like you said, you know, at least every other week, whatever it is, that frequency, the more they do that, the more they feel like they can trust you and that they really do know you. And you just want to factor that in when you're understanding, like there's some people who all they do is they cut right to the chase in the intro of their podcast when there might be an opportunity to actually pull back the curtain a little bit and get people to know you a little bit, share a little bit more, you know, have a little bit more personalized story going on of, you know, from your actual life. You'd be surprised how much that plays into the psychology of parasocial relationships. Yeah. You know, I like to tell people that we talk to or, or we work with that, it's a kind of an intimate experience to listen to a podcast. Usually you've got earbuds on or a headset or you might be out walking or in your car, but you want to feel like that host in particular is somebody that you would like to to know, whether it's on a business relationship or a personal relationship. What you're talking about is like these franchises like Star Trek and Star Wars and Game of Thrones, right? I mean, people, people do get involved or connected with a host when it's done done right, even in our space, which, you know, my space, both our spaces really, which is that B2B space in healthcare, but still it does matter. You can't really take a webinar and repurpose it as a podcast. I mean, as tempting as that may be, it just never works, right? So you want to set the mood, you want to have the right music, you want to create what I call a sonic branding with that music and with that host, right? You know, think about, again, from a big picture of voice marketing, and now we're drilling down into audio content, and now we're driving, drilling further down into podcasts. But all of that is to create a sense of who this person is, who is behind that person, which is that company, which is usually fitting the bill to try to putting the bill to try to get this podcast out there. But it does have to tell a story. And certainly the host is a huge part of that entertainment factor, right? Engaging if they share something personal. We've got one host who always manages to say, you know, say hello to his grandmother, who he says, he kind of kids his, I know that you're the only one listening out there, grandma. You know, obviously his grandmother's not the only one listening, but he, you know what I mean? He has a way of doing that. And it's, it's really, really critical as a Woody podcast to think about that. Put yourself in your listener's shoes. Yeah, hundred percent. I love that. I might have to say hi to certain, like to my mom or something. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun. Hi mom. One <laughs> thing I've not done yet. I love it. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff. And we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Hey, this is Scott Burgess from Healthcare 360, the fair and balanced healthcare podcast, exploring everything you wish you knew about healthcare, but don't. Join us weekly in an open, transparent conversation with some of the biggest names in the healthcare business surrounding this one question and one question only. 
Had you known there were other options to exhaust and explore before you traveled down the traditional healthcare route, how would you weigh those options against what you think healthcare and medicine really is? For more information about Healthcare 360 and how together we can help transform lives, visit scotteburgess.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us anywhere you enjoy listening. See you there. Okay, point number four. Before you start, understand what a podcast is and is not. And the number one thing that a podcast is not, I'm talking to specifically all you marketers who are listening to this, all you, especially B2B marketers, who think a podcast is going to act like a content marketing, like a blog that, like a lead generation blog. Most podcasts belong under branding in my mind, not under lead generation, maybe indirectly, but not like what we've come to expect from this last you know decade plus of of HubSpot, of inbound marketing, right? right? With right. the call to action at the end. And then because people saw this lifestyle post that they then come check out your products and services. That is not what this is. Most of the time, I know there are exceptions, but for the vast majority, especially for the, yeah, for those of you who are listening in our audience, a podcast is not HubSpot for your ears. It's not a hack to grow your brand from nothing. Like we've already kind of pointed out, unless you're a celebrity already. And in that case, your podcast didn't make you a celebrity. So guess what? You know, all it did was get you to give you a way to provide value to your existing audience. It is not a direct response acquisition campaign. So that's what I mean. Like, and there's some reasons for this. The main one is that there is not an audio tracking pixel. So for those of you who live in this world of HubSpot and other you know, marketing automation platforms that, and even digital marketing and performance marketing campaigns that all rely on something like a tracking pixel that follows you around the internet, tells you what websites you went to, what social media posts you have viewed and so forth. There's not a way to do that. <laughs> and right. So this is just an important part of what you come to expect now, is this, this is more like, you know, the, the person who eventually, you know, you gotta I think Gary Vee just refers to it as, you know, giving people a little bit of romance before, you know, ask, <laughs> asking them to marry you. Right. Like it's <laughs> you, a few dates first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You gotta have some conversations. You got, you know, gotta show up. Right. Yeah. Go on a few dates first, but understand that like from the beginning, you're not going to right off the bat, have people respond to your products and services because they heard a podcast episode. Like I said, this is for the vast majority. And that's why I say, put this under branding, file it under that instead of lead generation, because I think part of it is the friction associated with going from one platform to another. So you're usually listening to it and probably doing something else at the same time. So you're probably, unless something is just an earth shattering offer in the healthcare B2B space, there's not a whole lot of, this isn't like buy one, get one free, you know, buy one data exchange, connection, get, you know, like I'm, I'm just getting absurd and I'm doing it on purpose because that's not the type of marketing offers that we usually put out there in our industry. So don't think of this as that. Lean into the fact that it is a single, this is one part of your way to brand yourself, to create some brand engagement and don't measure it on its own in a vacuum. And we'll get to ROI here in a bit, but don't think of it as a single engine that's going to create everything on its own. It's part of your program. Yeah. And then there's these very basic practical issues around when you start a podcast, which plays into this. And that is when you begin a podcast, you don't just start it on your website where again, there's HubSpot pixel, you know, 
tracking on your, on a web page. It, it starts with a hosting platform, a podcast hosting platform that creates an RSS feed that then gets submitted to Apple and Spotify and Google and whatnot. So the idea of a podcast starts really from a pure publication standpoint outside the realms of your own website. And then you take the episodes that you're producing and then you you embed them. You can obviously embed them on a web page and put them on your site. But the point being that it's not a trackable kind of mechanism per se. I mean, you certainly you can promote episodes of your podcast in a news digest or a newsletter and you can see who clicked through to listen to it. Certainly you can put them on a, embed them on a unique page with UTM tracking code, but all in all, think of it not as a lead gen, but really as a education platform, much like you would a thought leader article um, or speaking at a national conference or something like that, right? Where you're looking to engage an audience in what, uh, what the host has to say and what they're looking to share with you. And those endeavors do pay off, but it takes, like we talked about, time and effort and frequency. And you know, usually the companies that start down this path and give up and they get discouraged with that sort of, well, we didn't see out any business from it, perhaps didn't address that frequency up front, the POV, the theater, all those things that we've already talked about. Right, right, right. Which so that kind of leads into, I'm thinking maybe I switch up the order here with these next couple. So what if we dive into the ROI of a podcast, yeah. Carol? Do you want to tackle this one? Yeah. So as you said, podcasts can be an accelerant and they can they can build a brand and they can help with thought leadership, certainly. And there are some things that you can do to sort of look at some sort of traction, right? Question a lot like, well... We get 200 listeners. What does that mean, right? Well, 200 listeners to a podcast episode is a lot, especially when you look at the engagement level of a podcast, meaning how long people listen to a podcast versus reading a blog post, right? So think about that ROI in terms of any other content initiatives that you might have versus a lead gen initiative, right? And so just like any content initiative, the goal of that is to build awareness of the thought leadership and of the brand versus filling out a form, right? You're never going to gate a podcast and that would just not be the the tack that you want to take here. But think of it in, instead of like, you know, this is a new initiative, just like when we started our writing articles about things that the company was involved in and thought leadership pieces, it has to have that same sort of process and mindset. I'll give you a really good example. So we were working with a a company, we syndicate their podcast and I was signed them up and checked in with obviously the marketer like four weeks in and said, how are things going? And she's like, great, we're seeing more plays and we're super excited and blah, blah, blah. She said, one thing that's really interesting is that we've been doing this podcast for two years and they do their podcast weekly. So it's always out there. It's for nurses. And so it's even got a very unique audience of, you know, that is their listening audience of nurses. And in the two years we've been doing this, we maybe got a request for a guest to be on the show. Like we might've gotten one every six months. And since we started with you a month ago, we've gotten 10 requests for potential guests. And so for her, ROI is different for everybody, not everybody, but you know, ROI is in in the eyes of the marketing beholder, right? And so for her, one indication of ROI of, of syndicating the podcast in our network was like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden we're getting this influx of companies and nurses who want to be a potential guest on the show. 
So ROI means different things to different marketers, but it's there if you think about it in the right terms and and put it in the right context, which is how you started this conversation about ROI. Yeah, I like the fact that there isn't just one single answer here because the fact is there's a stat and I don't recall the figure. I'm going to see if I can dig it up here, but there we tend to buy from people we know. And we're talking about, you know, in B2B even more. We tend to buy from people that we've encountered, we're at least familiar with, and so that awareness factor that you were talking about is one of, you know, one of the things we measure here. That absolutely applies. And you think about how how much you've invited people to opt in for Right. So an ad that you throw in front of somebody that just flashes across them, their screen, even if they see it a couple of times, they've seen it and they've processed it for like a few seconds. Wherein if somebody subscribes to your podcast, they've opted into you sharing you and your brand with them for 25, 30 exactly. minutes a week. Exactly. And like and right. like right. that. So the quality of so this isn't the same as blasting somebody once, like it's not just one encounter is the same as one encounter with other marketing tactics. So I think that's an important part. It's not even the same as even posting an article on your website where these days, if somebody's engaged in an article on your website, you can look at your Google analytics. If they're on that, that article for a minute, you're, or two minutes, you're like, yay, right? (laughs) But yet we're talking about a podcast environment where potentially they could be engaged for 20, 25, 30 minutes, however long the episode is. And think about that engagement and that opportunity to have that engagement. Right, right, right. And the one final thing I'll throw in here for ROI is, is what's the ROI of relationships? Right. Sometimes that's not as easy to quantify, but there's an indirect value. I know for me personally, so I wear two shoes. One is content producer. One is marketing and digital transformation consultant. And I can tell you right now, 100% of my consulting clients come from word of mouth. And that word of mouth typically comes from people who have who are somewhere in the podcast ecosystem with me, either as a guest or a listener or indirectly. I've gotten clients from former guests who months later referred a client to me. And you know, I've kept in touch with them. Having them on as a guest or having them as a listener has created a relationship that has driven indirect value down the road. And believe me, I take account of that when I'm looking at the ROI of the podcast. Right, right. So awesome. I'm glad we spent a little bit more time on that one because I think that's one of the biggest questions we get. And those are just a few things to think about. We can kind of roll through a few of these other points here. We're halfway through here, but I think we can roll through a few here pretty quick. Number six, Putting in your reps. Here, here's yes. what I mean by this topic. Uh, <laughs> let's just be real, Carol. Most podcasts aren't really that good at the beginning. No. <laughs> and I've kind of found like this sweet spot. Thankfully, I can say uh, most that I've seen or that I've produced, I've come to expect that you're going to need a, a good solid 10 to 12 episodes. And usually by that point, you've kind of hit your stride as the host. And you've kind of figured out what we refer to as your minimum viable audience, the listening version of an MVP. But your minimum viable audience, who are your core listeners? Who are the ones that did just pick you up, who are in your ecosystem, who are enjoying what you're putting out there in those first few episodes that just might not be your best? <laughs> it's a, it's just part of the process. This is a learning process. No, Very, very, very few people can just go right out there and nail it from episode one. Right. And you need to be aware of that. I still talk to hosts who are like, oh, I... I don't even like listening back to my episodes because I still don't like the sound of my voice. And I'm like, well, your voice is the whole 
thing. So you better get used to listening to it and, and learn how to critically listen back. So it's just part of realizing that just the same way a, an athlete is not going to hit all your fitness goals in week one. You got to put in your reps. Right, right. That's exactly right. I mean, most people aren't like Patrick Mahomes where they come out of the, it's a sports analogy, right? Superstar from game one. And you're right. Most hosts, even the ones that are really good out of the gate, just get better. It's just like anything. You've got to put in, like you say, your reps and you've got to understand that cadence, I think, is really what the issue is when you talk about audio content. There is an an ebb and a flow that is part and parcel to creating audio content. There is the highs, there's the lows, there's keeping the conversation going. And even after all that, you know, having a good editing team or being a good editor can help help that the episode of a podcast immensely, taking out those little ums or stumbling points and things like that. Well, you have another natural segue to our next one. It's like, it's like we're on the same wavelength here, which is, you mentioned editing, which is number seven, which is, is your podcast technically sound? Meaning what are the basics of sound quality, equipment, that kind of thing? Uh, Do you want to dive into that quickly as well? Yeah, you know, and I, I think that this doesn't have to be a huge investment. Most of our radio shows and podcast shows generally use like you do and I do it like a Zoom or a GoToWebinar or some sort of meeting or webinar platform where you can record. Then it really becomes this issue of this is going to record, but does the person, like I have a a noise canceling headset, right? So a noise canceling headset allows for just what it says, canceling external noise, right? If people are speaking without a headset or over a speakerphone, their computer, the audio can be poor. If they're calling in on a mobile phone, it can be tough, right? So the you want the guest and the host to sound equally as good, right? So it's just the basics. I mean, you invest in a $50 headset if you're the host, a noise canceling headset that plugs into your computer and that will help immensely. Coach, if you have guests on your show, coach your guests, say, please don't call me from a cell phone at the airport. I'd rather, I'd rather we set up a different recording time than you calling, calling me in a noisy place where there's not a lot of quiet. And then of course it becomes the aftermath of that, right? There are things like Audacity and other audio editing tools that can help level off the volume. I have kind of a soft voice and sometimes I talk to somebody who you know, has a much lower register or a louder voice. And so how do we, how do we edit that recording so that we're leveling out the audio quality across the board and all those sorts of those basics, right? I tell people all the time who are getting started who is like, well, you know, we've got all, we, you know, we can buy the headsets, we can get all that going. I'm not sure about the editing tool. I go, you know, if you've got a staff member with a 14 year old kid, trust me, they can edit it for you. <laughs> so... <laughs> Very, very true. And the same goes for video editing, by the way. And video too, right? Same thing. They can (laughs) do it way faster than you you can. (laughs) Oh yeah, a thousand percent. I've had that ingrained in me now from my teenage children. But uh, I digress. I think the, like you said, Carol, you don't have to make this crazy big investment here. There's kind of like a near professional level of sound quality, I guess we could say, where something is, it feels simple and it almost feels wrong that this is all you have to spend. But I'm telling you, like a Blue Yeti microphone, which is a USB microphone, is nearly as good as any studio, like full studio quality. Like I put that in air quotes, studio quality, because it's almost lost on the average listener in terms of what the difference is. Like you're not a recording studio. You don't have to invest 
a lot. There's some ways to level up your audio quality, and that does happen by dampening the sound in the room that you're recording, meaning having, you know, carpet versus hardwood floors. There are all sorts of things you can do, but you don't have to. Just recognizing that there is this kind of near professional quality. And a Blue Yeti microphone, there are several different models of them. That's kind of like the one standard that you can use. And they're anywhere from 120 bucks to 180. Like they're not, that's a reasonable investment. So just a starting point there. Okay, really quick. Number eight, why frequency matters. I think we already covered that one quite well there. Uh, Carol, any other thoughts on frequency? Yeah, it really does matter. You know, my background, now I'm really dating myself, was in print advertising for newspapers. And I used to tell my sales team all the time that it takes for an ad campaign to run, it takes eight times. That print ad needs to run eight times to even make that first impression perhaps on a potential customer or buyer. And that is the issue with frequency. And I would say in today's digital environment, frequency is even more important. So again, hitting home, if you commit to doing a show, a podcast show, not an ad hoc kind of experience, it just needs to be upfront like any other entertainment, this is what we're going to do. This is how often we're going to do it. And this is our regular release schedule. And you have to stick to that. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we'll right into number nine, how to repurpose a podcast. I mentioned really quick, one thing that a podcast is not is podcast is not a tactic to consider in a vacuum, like all by itself. It is part of your program. So you want to get as much leverage out of it as possible. And this just has to do with repurposing it in other formats and other channels. It's not just to grow the listenership itself, but it's actually to get more leverage out of the content now that you've produced it. So there are those who originally record as video and then they slice out the audio, edit it up the quality of it, and then release that as an audio podcast. That's one way to do it. And then even thinking about what else do you get out of it? There are concepts that, I, I mean, I like to refer to as music. I mean, I'm a musician in a previous lifetime. Back um, in the day. <laughs> right, right. And so I think of it as like your greatest hits. <laughs> like, can you look back at the last 10 episodes and find 10 of your greatest hits and compile those together into another episode? There are those who are just going to buy the greatest hits of you as an artist versus going to buy your entire catalog of albums and songs. So recognize that people consume it differently and create different packages of your content to attract those different types of consumers. And there are clients of mine, uh, I I produce uh, the Paradigm Shift of Healthcare podcast with Michael Roberts and Scott Zeitzer, for instance. Uh, This thing's been going for a long time. It's been a lot of fun to produce and even help host that at times. But one thing I'm really... I love sharing with people is that is how much more they get out of it. They turn every single episode into a blog post with the full transcript for the audio impaired. So it's, they're getting their content out in a lot of different ways. They have an email list that now they send like a, they create an image card, like a quote card, like kind of a pullout quote, a highlight from the episode. So it's, they're not just promoting the episode itself. They are taking the episode and then creating several other pieces of content in other formats. And that's just part of when you consider what's this investment worth? How do we get the most out of it? Repurpose that content, plan to do that from the beginning, think about other formats and extend the conversation. Yeah. I mean, the blog article about a particular episode is really a no-brainer. And we have a lot of shows in our network that do that. And they're published as articles and it's great. It gives a review of the conversation. 
you embed that, you embed the episode so the track can, can be played right there. Obviously, now you've doubled down or tripled down on your social media, your activities, because you've already socialed the episode of the podcast. And now you can share the article as well. Go back and share it on Twitter and LinkedIn and wherever your social media buckets reside. You can also do, like you said, like a greatest hits. We do a lot of, you know, in case you missed it kind of stuff, or we do trending. We'll take an episode of a particular show that got traction maybe three or four months ago, and perhaps the conversation is still relevant. And we'll just, in case you missed it, rediscover this particular piece of content, right? And then in your case, Paradigm Shift that you mentioned, I know that they took some of their podcasts and actually created an ebook from it, right? The transcripts they then created created an ebook that could be gated, you know, for ROI and generate some leads. And so there are ways to repurpose this audio content. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So this all rolls up kind of into number 10, which is our, I think the reason for all of this, which is why podcasts, in yeah. other words, why audio content? And I'll tell you what, the entire reason why I think that podcast listenership is growing and audio content has a future in and of itself is because you can multitask while you listen to it. And not even having to make it more complicated than that, right? In this busy, in this crazy world right now, where we do feel isolated because we have not gotten to see as many people in person, even taking that aside and saying the fact that I can get something done, I can be on the treadmill and listen to you know people in my industry, I can be doing chores around the house, I can be taking kids to practice, uh, you can be doing things while you're getting educated, you're getting inspired, you're getting entertained, there's something to be said for that. That's the part that I don't want to get lost in any of the details of the logistics and the production and all that. Like that's the most important part here to me. There's a future for this. We as human beings, we want to multitask. And if you can do that, you can't do that with a webinar. You can't do that with the YouTube channel because you're watching it. Now you ask my teenage daughters and they very much know how to watch a video while doing other things. <laughs> but, right, uh, right. but point being, you know, we don't want to lose sight of that fact. Yeah. And I think that's really true. And I think certainly in the circumstances since last March with the pandemic, I think this sort of consumption of audio content has taken off. You know, we grew by 30%. So obviously people are listening and have gravitated towards this form of content. And just from a practical standpoint, I say podcast listenership is growing and not going away simply because of the smartphone and particularly the iPhone. So approximately 70%, at least in our experience, 70% of our listening audience listens to podcasts on their iPhone. And if you think about it, that the utility of having that iPhone in front of you, the ability to perhaps read an article on your iPhone is one sort of activity, but Think about the podcast experience, right? I find a podcast on Apple Podcasts. I follow it. I subscribe to it. And guess what? My iPhone notifies me when a new episode is ding, ding, ding. Hey, a new episode of that show is available. I can now listen to it or I can, I can go back and listen to it, of course. But the point of the fact of the matter is the iPhone and of course the Android as well have made podcast consumption very, very, very easy. And people are discovering it, right? And they're beginning to look at that podcast icon like they've never had before. And they understand that if I like this show, which gets back to frequency again, right? If I like this show and I like the content, like the host, I'm going to subscribe to it and I'm going to get notified when a new episode becomes available. And that's the hook for me for that show. Yeah, 100%, Carol. Well, 
I think we did it. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> ten, 10 tips. Look at that. 10 things to think about here. Everyone who's listening, if you're considering a podcast, if you haven't done it, and one of these have been questions in your mind, hopefully this has helped. If you have other questions about it, definitely shoot us a note to either of us. We'd love to handle that for you. Uh, it's Carol Flagg. It's what's my tagline. It's it's Healthcare Now Radio. I mean, my goodness. Uh, you can find Carol everywhere. You can find the amazing shows that she's got lined up. Folks, you got to check it out. And it sounds like we'll be doing a part two here very soon. Yes. Hashtag crossover podcast. <laughs> That's right. Uh, thanks so much, Carol, for giving us a few minutes today. And we look forward to that part two. Thanks, Jared. Ed Marks here with Digital Voices, the only podcast for chief digital officers across all of healthcare and life sciences. Digital Voices is about the voice of the patient, the provider, the payer, pharma, big tech, retail, public health, really any part of the healthcare and life sciences ecosystem, that's the digital voice we want to capture as we learn and break barriers across the entire spectrum. Join us weekly as we drop our pod. Wow, that was so fun. Thanks to Carol and thank you for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, please, this is so important to us. We really mean this. Can you please subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast? Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. And don't forget to subscribe to the Shift.Health YouTube channel featuring season two of Now What? Go check it out at Shift.Health. It's all free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap. 